Slightly Above Average Gamers, Way Above Average Podcast. Welcome to the Slightly Above Average Gaming Podcast with your hosts, J007TV and Sub1KD. Alrighty, welcome, welcome. This is episode 15, the Slightly Above Average Gaming Podcast. I am Sub1KD. I'm joined by the illustrious J007TV. Today, we're delving into a couple of issues um, some news, some good things, some great things, and some stuff that's going to be a little controversial, but we're going to dive in it anyways because that's what we do. Um, today, we're going to open up with the good stuff, um, I, and I'm going to preface this with this is two guys observing it. This is our opinions on on the matter and our ideas, but it should no way, shape, or form be construed as us trying to tell other people how they feel or how they think. This is just our observations. And we're two guys, so we don't actually have the full like relevance in this conversation. But, you know, take that, you know, disclaimer, you know, at face value here, because this is just how we see the world and how we're reacting to it. So with that, Jay, take us away on our, on our number one topic. What is What has been the, the talk of the town today? So... Our friend J-Rock, uh, so at J-Rock Gaming YT, if, if you're in the COD scene, you know who he is. Um, <laughs> as I've called him before, he's the most controversial man on Call of Duty Twitter. Um, he's a good dude, and we, um, you know, he tweeted the other day um, and just started off a firestorm, really. His tweet says, we need more female CDL pros, in my opinion. According to Statista, about one-third of FPS gamers are female, so why not require one-third of any CDL team to be female? So, I mean, I think this is a great conversation starter, and it is a conversation that I think should be had. And like Sub1 said, we're just two dudes, right? This is a, a relevant topic, so we're covering it on our podcast. In no way are we trying to mansplain or do any of that shit with anybody, right? We just want to cover what is going on in the scene. So, yep. you know, he tweeted that, and right now it's sitting at about 283.8 thousand views uh, since yesterday at 127 uh, p.m., so... Um, you know, he's making a lot of waves with that topic and he's had people, um, you know, weigh in, uh, as far as, uh, actual competitors, female competitors have weighed in things like that, uh, on the topic. And, you know, you, you responded to his tweet and I, I actually, I agree with what you said as far as, you know, artificial quotas and things like that. Go ahead and explain, you know, what you were thinking uh, in terms of that tweet or response. So, so re for reference, I replied to him and I said, look, there should never be quotas to replace talent on a competitive team ever. Like that's just flat out. You, you have a competitive team. You take the best talent. The problem here is I, is, is I don't think that women are properly represented. And I think it's not a talent issue. I think women can be just as talented as men at games, but. I think there are some barriers in the way. And, and what I would love to see, I think, is some sort of, you know, t uh, some sort of way to measure talent, right? Like it, other sports, we have uh, a combine, right? In hockey, they have this, um, I, I think they call it a combine. In football, it's a combine, right? So before the draft, they have a they have a big exhibition where all the people going out for the draft, they perform, they all perform different measures of their abilities, 
and it's measured and it's weighed out and it's all of these and it's data points. It's laid out so you can look and see. Well, hey, this person is faster, generally speaking, than this other person because look at this. Look at how fast they run. And it's a way to objectively measure recruits, you know, potential recruits leading up to the draft. And there's other aspects to it, but you know that that thing exists, and so you can sit there and you can talk about somebody's 440 time, and you can talk about their, um, you know, their their vertical leap, right? And these are measurable things. This is what they can do. I think right now the problem with, you know, uh, with esports and specifically with the CDL and with COD gaming is that it's a bit of an old boys club because you look at who comes up in the, in the, in the scene and it's people that run together for a long time. They come up through the challengers. They come up, you know, they they know some people that are in it. Maybe they, you know, maybe they're friends with, you know, that they get in with somebody who gets into the scene at some point and they get pulled up in that way. And there's a lot of that. And a lot of times when you look at, you know, how teams are put together, it's a lot of people. All right. We're, we're picking and choosing from an existing pool of people and we're not even opening the door to new people, even though there might be more talented people out there that are just not being uncovered for one reason or another. And there's no way to know there's, you know, and, and this, you know, this was a pushback that I had on that opinion is that people would say, well, what about challengers? I mean, the problem is if you, if you put together a good team and you're running challengers, you're going to do better than everybody else. Who's just throwing teams together at the last minute or that don't have access to like other skilled players. So somebody who might be very talented, they're not going to shine overall compared to somebody whose whole team runs together. And so I think, I think that's something we're missing. And I think that's a big part of this conversation, you know, versus, you know, just saying, Oh, well, we're going to take, we're going to take a team and we're going to just earmark, you know, 30% of the slots for women just because they're women. I think that undermines the competitiveness of it. It does. And you know, well, so Involved Alex pointed out that, um, you know, the, the CDL is, is a 4v4 format. So 33%, 25%, whatever. I get the gist of what Jay was saying. Um, I, I also disagree as far as how it should be done, but I agree with his sentiment in general. And we're going to get into that here in just a little while. And I'm going to explain why I agree um, with, you know, his thought behind it and the reasoning behind it but you know there is a female comp scene right now um and that female comp scene uh was created by ali parker um you know i'll read jake lucky's tweet ali parker is best known as the first female analyst for activision's professional esports call of duty league or cdl she's built an audience of eighty thousand followers on twitter sixty thousand on twitch she also founded the WXC, an all-women's Call of Duty tournament with a vision to provide a safe space for women to thrive. We'll talk about why that's needed here in just a second. <laughs> Outside of the tournament, the organization promotes female gamers with the goal of inspiring future participation in esports and all aspects of gaming industry. She has been vocal about being on the autism spectrum and pushing for further accessibility and discussion of mental health within gaming and esports. Allie is awesome. She seems to be just a dynamite human being for one. Um, mm -hmm. You know, for her to go through and create this league, uh, it's it's awesome, right? I've I've watched some of the gameplay. They've even featured some of it on CDL events as well. Um, you know, towards the end. The question I have though is, and I don't know if there's. I mean, there may be a source for the data, but. 
what percentage of say like the challengers or are actually women? You know, like, do we, I don't know that we know that. I don't know that anybody's ever really even tracked it, to be honest. Maybe she did. And yep. maybe that's why she created the WXC, <laughs> you know, yep. but I, I, I have no idea. It's, it's just something to think about. I, I, I think this, this discussion is a lot more nuanced than just saying, here's a problem. Here's how you fix it and be done with it. I mean, he's, he is, he's 100% right. As far as, um, you know, just there being a certain level of toxicity towards women in gaming as, and I've witnessed it, uh, several times I mod for, uh, uh, you know, I've modded for a couple female streamers. So I see that. I don't know if you saw Crochet Callie's video from the other day. All she simply did was talk in game chat. And this dude just fucking went off and started saying yeah. all this misogynistic bullshit to her. The amount of stuff that they put up with in game chat is, is just insane to me. I cannot believe there are still people that actually think that way and, and treat people that way. Yeah. I mean, part of the problem, if you want to get, if you want to go down that rabbit hole is, is, you know, the COD community is just, there's a baseline of toxicity to playing this game to begin with. And I think part of the, part of the problem is that, you know, the, that toxic element, they just, they attack whatever they perceive as your biggest weakness. If you're bad at the game, they, you know, they go after you for that. If you're old, they go after you for that. I mean, just look at J-Rock's comment section and, you know, he's been sharing that off and on today. I mean, there's some stuff in there that I'm like, dude, you just have to scroll by. You don't have to drop a comment and you definitely don't have to say that. And, you know, and then you get into what, you know, when you have women in the, in the games and I've been in games with, you know, um, with, with guys that, that start going off about sandwich making and all that crap. And it's like, it's just like a baseline of toxicity that I think it, it's, it's a always existed there, but in a lot of ways it's, it ramps up. And I think is, is, is more pronounced when there's a woman involved. And I think that I think that the, it, there's got to be a way to, to handle this better. Uh, but, I, you know, I don't know what that is. But, it, you know, it's, it's definitely a toxic. Like, it gets really bad sometimes. I, I don't understand that, though. Like, I mean, I, I understand it, but, like, it's just amazing to me. It literally costs you nothing to be nice to somebody. It's, it's fucking free. Like you don't have to be a douche to people. And there are people who just wake up every day and, you know, maybe dad left for milk and never came back. And, you know, they're taking out, you know, that on everyone else or, you know, just like um, Christopher Kane said. And I think it was uh, the dark night. Some people just like to watch the world burn, you know, and they just yeah. want to throw that kind of stuff out there. So, you know, it's just it, it's it's frustrating to witness but I will say this, that that's also the benefit of now all the Discord servers because you don't have to deal with that shit if, <laughs> if, if you don't want to. I, I mute game chat most of the time anyway, and I'm a dude. You know, I they don't know that I I'm a 45-year-old dude. I haven't listened to game chat in, like, years. Probably since COD, you know, COD, Modern War the original Modern Warfare 3 is probably the last time I listened to game chat. <laughs> right? Um. You know, and, and you know, I think I want to draw a distinction too between um, 
between talking crap and being a toxic son of a bitch. Because I, you know, you, me, everybody I know loves to talk shit in game. Oh yeah. You, you dunk on somebody, rub it in their face between match like part, you know, the the end of a the end of a match in Warzone, like in Warzone 1 where you could actually talk at the Xville and you could just you just ran your mouth as fast as you can to just talk crap to like, you know, yeah, whoever just killed you, like, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like when I so I've played hockey, like um beer league hockey in one of the most one of the biggest, most competitive beer leagues in the in the world uh, in the country, and certainly in the U.S. Uh, in, in the North America. And man, the the level of competitiveness for a bunch of old dorks running around on the ice was ridiculous. The, the the things that get said on the ice are unbelievable. And the thing is, is we knew where to leave it on the ice. You, you get into you know you could get into scraps with guys on the ice and go up for beers an hour later. Like I literally got to a point where like I got tossed out of a game. So did two other guys on the other team because we were all basically brawling with each other um, and saying things about you know each other's mothers. And the refs had had enough. And uh, and and between the three of us, we got through four pitches of beer before the game was over upstairs. Um, and you know and 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 I think what we have, you know, especially online and you know this online world, is this inability to separate the competitive game speak like the, 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 the shit talking from like the reality of life, like the reality of that you're dealing with people, people that, you know, whatever they're doing in game, no matter how much they, they piss you off. Like at the end of the day, they're, they're basically going to be just like you in some capacity. And I think we lose yeah. that online we lose that in the virtual world because you don't ever see these people face to face right you, you see a gamer tag and a game you know and an in-game skin and you hear their voice sometimes and i think people they don't know how to I, I think you know and i don't know if it's a generational thing or if it's just online i'm pretty sure it's just online we don't know how to hang it up like there is no separation between you know talking shit in a game and actually like going through and, and going after people on twitter and and just being a toxic son of a bitch, like 24 seven. Like, what is that? Well, you know, that was the thing. Like, so uh, obviously anybody that knows me um, from Twitter knows that at one point I too had a beef with, with, with J rock and, you know, he, he blocked me and, <laughs> you know, because there was a certain level of toxicity there, he blocked me. Then he went through his unblocking spree. And I took that as an opportunity to try a different approach uh, because I felt like it was warranted, um, you know, and I realized that, first of all, as far as the Twitter thing goes, people are entitled to their own opinion, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, who the fuck am I to judge him based, you know what I mean? Like, to be toxic to him because of his opinions, even whether I agree with him or not, you know? So that was kind of my thought process there. But circling back to, um, you know, the tweet and just the premise behind the tweet, I, with the quota thing, I have issue with the quotas regardless of what it is or where it is. I think mm -hmm. everything should be performance-based. And I what I mean by that is, is if you are, if you are talented enough to get in the league and to hold your own, then you should be there. But we also have to remember, so, you know, we think that the top 250 for Warzone and for multiplayer is such a small percentage. I think it's like 0.01 or 
maybe not even that. Not even that. There are only, so far with the amount of teams there are in, in the CDL alone, there are only roughly 48 CDL professional players. Yep. They do have some players on the bench, uh, of course, that they'll sub in, but that actually play at the CDL events. There's only 48 in the world. Think about that in relation to the total number of Call of Duty players and put, you know, what percentage, what top percentage that puts them at. Well, I mean, you know, Call of Duty sees what, about 100 million players a year? Yeah. Right? They cycle through the game. 48 out of 100, you know, 100 million. I mean, that's a small, small 1%. I mean, it's not even like, it's not even like one tenth of one half of one millionth of one percent. Like, it's such a small number. The calculator throws an error, right? Yeah. You need a supercomputer to figure that one out. And I think yeah. the problem is, is if you quota and you say, all right, we're going to take X percentage of that 48 and we're going to say they have to fit, you know, they have to be, have been born with a certain chromosome. I think that undermines the competitiveness of the, of the match. And honestly, I think it would set things back because now you've got, when a team underperforms, everyone will look to a woman as being the weakest link because they were there, you know, they were gifted the seat compared to like another competitor who, um, from a, an outside observer's point of view, you know, might say, Hey, they would have won if that seat, you know, if that position wasn't, you know, wasn't taken or wasn't held by, you know, somebody who, who rightfully earned it in open competition, which, you know, is, is it, it is a shitty situation because how do you get women into these seats when they don't have the opportunity to get there? And I think that's the, I think that's where the problem lies is that the path to get to those seats is usually intertwined with coming up with the guys that already have the seats. Well, and you know, I think that's what Allie's trying to accomplish with the WXC, right? Uh, to at mm -hmm. least start, if you're going to go on a journey, there's a start and an end. You have to start somewhere. And I think yeah. that that is a good step in that direction, you know, and I hope that mm -hmm. when my daughter gets old enough, um, you know, if she's playing Call of Duty or competitive or whatever, you know, that she would be able to have an outlet for competing. So I admire Allie for what she's done and for all of the, um, you know, all of the competitors in that league. In fact, you know, like I told you, I've reached out to uh, Diosa, who I've known since Blackout, um, even played a few games with her. It's funny, I I actually still remember her exact drop on uh, on Blackout, believe it or not. <laughs> so uh, if we can ever get her on, I'd love to be able to chat with, about that with her. But she's yep. uber talented, and, and, and she's always been competitive. And there was some ways for them to compete, whether they're wagers or whatever. But to have this league... I think it's a huge yeah. step in the right direction, and I would like to see more professional level, um, if they're talented enough, you know, female yeah. uh, COD players. Well, and I'd like to, you know, and, and it's about development, right? I mean, how long does it take to develop into a, into a CDL-level player? Probably several years. Coaching, being, you know, around the right people. I mean, you and I have both talked about this, right? When we play with play with people who are better than us, it pushes us to perform better, right? Like when we play with, when we play with guys that are terrible and we're the best guys on the team, I mean, A, you know, how quickly do we go back to the lobby? But B, like it's it's not as much fun for us because we're having to drag everyone along. We're always ahead of the curve, right? Trying to trying to push what's next, trying to push the rotation, trying to trying to win gunfights and we you know, we have to it feels like we have to do it on our own. 
versus if we're the worst guy and we're playing catch up the whole time, we're, you know, we're really pushing to try and, um, to, to try and reach that next level to better, you know, to better ourselves. And we do that by watching the people with us, to, by listening to what they have to say and what they're doing and under, trying to understand how they process the map. Like, you know, I, as I've said before, I played with Urbizi and that was to me a huge game changing experience. That was my first time playing with a, with, playing with a, a player at his level, right? That, you know, iridescent top 250, you know, bracket of, of player. And just playing with him changed my uh, my way of playing the game. And I think that when you have this situation where women, you know, are not given those opportunities, you know, especially regularly, then, you know, it's, it's hard for them to grow in the right ways that the CDL needs because it's like professional sports. If you don't have the right people and the right assets to, to train you and bring you up to that level, you ain't going to make it. And so I think, you know, the, the league, especially if that league can get really up and going and get some talent in the, in coaching and talent in, you know, management and really help, you know, really get, you know, these, these women, the same caliber caliber of training they're getting, you know, that, that other people going into this, you know, trying to get into the CDL are, are putting together. It creates a really big opportunity for women to break in and really compete for those spots and win them. And I think that's going to be like, I think that's going to be like the, the the best day for a lot of people is watching, you know, the first woman earn a spot on the CDL and and do well there. I think that'll be great. But you know, the other thing that we we haven't really covered is, and it's the same thing with professional sports. You know, like, um, you know, whether it's it, take the NBA and WNBA, right? Like somebody has to take a risk and put an investment into that league, right? Like the WNBA. I don't yeah. know that it operates in the red or black. I'm not entirely sure. Um, that's not necessarily the point. The point is, is that somebody is is actually funding that league. You have you have to start from somewhere. And you know, I'd like to see more. You know, maybe a company or you know, some better sponsorship deals. Um, you know, that kind of thing. But then that also comes down to, you know, is there an audience for it as well? Um, personally, I don't care if you're male or female, I want to see the best people play. So, you know, if it's, if, if there's an event on and it's WXC and I have the time and I'm able to watch it, I'm going to watch it. I don't give a crap, you know, yeah. but not everyone is like that, right? Like some people refuse to watch the WNBA, you know, and will only you know, watch but the I'm NBA. Gonna, so. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to steal that from you because I don't think, you know, I, okay, look. The WNBA versus the NBA has like a really bad reputation in the world of like of commentary of political commentary because there's so much attached to that. I'm sure. gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna back it up and I'm and and say look, it, it isn't just that. It, it's about when you when you ask, like you said, you want people want to watch the best, right? They want to watch people want to watch the NFL, right? They want to watch Division One football top 25 they want to watch georgia they want to watch alabama they want to watch michigan right texas don't don't forget texas you got the texas in there i mean you know i i went to hawaii it's d1 doesn't mean anybody wants to watch it but um (laughs) i'll throw texas in there for you i'll throw you a bone um but when it comes to college right ain't no one watching division three there ain't no one watching community college ball right even though you, you might get Ocho. 
Yeah, the Ocho doesn't even want it. They, you know, they got they got freeze cornhole. tag or something on. Yeah, <laughs> cornhole. So, but that's the problem is that when there's when there's the best, right? That's what people that that's what people want to watch. They want to watch the best. They don't want to watch not the best. Like you know, where I live, you know, there are two sports teams, right? There's the San Jose Sharks, an NHL used to be cup contender every year. And then we have the Barracuda, which is the AHL farm team. And nobody goes to the farm team games unless it's like, I want to bring 20 kids. And I don't want to spend $5,000. Right. right. Like we go because the tickets are half off. The beers are cheap. And, you know, nobody gives a crap what the actual game is like. I go to the shark, you know, people go to the sharks because they want to watch hockey. And that's the problem is that you have the CDL. And as long as the CDL is the best of the best, that's what people will watch. And people might hop in and they might watch the women's league when it's available and it works out for them, but they won't set aside time in their day to do it. But see, I think, so I'm going to parallel this with, with streaming, right? Mm -hmm. It's so funny to me that there are certain streamers that, you know, take for granted the fact that some other streamers might need help. Right. And it's like, well, yeah. you didn't get big because no one helped you. Every single big streamer that got big had help from somebody else. And I think that the WXC needs a little bit of help. And and, and I think Activision, you know, they spotlighted it last year uh, at the CDL. Um, you know, they should those sponsor events. the damn thing. Yeah, but I think I think they I think the WXC is going to need a little bit more help just to get some relevancy. Yeah. And because also too, you're not going to pull in top talent if if people don't view it as as such, or that they're going to yeah. get an audience, or you know those kind of things too. I mean, I feel like what they need to do is they need to come up with like you know like the AHL in hockey, right? Like they need a farm league, like uh, you know, and and hockey, you know. So I, I don't know if you follow hockey, like the, you know, um, hockey actually has multiple farm leagues that yeah. are all like kind of at the same level, right? You have like the AHL, but you also have college. You have, um, you know, you have a couple of different leagues that people pull from for the draft. And, um, and depending on where you are in your, in your journey, like that's where you play, but they're all affiliated with teams. They all get support from pro teams and from the pro, you know, from the N uh, the NHL league. I don't understand why we can't have, well, I, I, I kind of do because there's not a ton of money in this yet, but like there should be something like, like call of duty needs to take this as their like Activision, call of duty, Microsoft, whoever needs to take this as their like part of their project. Like this is part of the CDL. This is where we grow the next generation of CDL players. Like women have an, you know, a place to play, you know, a mixed league where, you know, other people get in and the point of playing in the league should not just be, you know, competition among women. It should be, you know, it should be a place where if you're really good enough, you get a, sh you're getting shots at making the big league. Like, I think that would really push viewership, you know, and interest in it because, Hey, it's not just a league, you know, it's not just a woman version of it. It's here's, it's, it's a chance to get in. It's like, you do well here, you get looked at, you might get called up. Right, like that's that's what that's one of the things that makes AHL games a lot of fun to go to, is you got so many guys that are they're trying to make a name for themselves. They want to get looked at, so they get called up to the big leagues, right? 
And that's, that's why a lot of them are there. You know, a lot of them, you know, that's, that's just, they know that they're, they're topped out. That's where they're going to stay. But others, you know, they will really throw everything at every game in, in, in creative ways. And they, and they will do things to be noticed. And I think, you know, I, I think that's what the CDL is missing is something is some farm level where it's like, Hey, you know, you want to compete, you know, in a women's league. Great. We're looking at that and we're watching to see who's the best of the best of that league. Cause you might get called up. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. Um, my wife's been listening to us talk about this and she sent me a text and I, I'm going to follow it up with something. Can there be female gamers without them being hypersexualized? Why does there have to be male and female divisions? Why, why can't they just be combined? The best players play the best players, no matter the gender. I think that's the end goal, mm-hmm. but you have to get to a point where you're like, quote, normalizing and getting people used to the idea. You know what I'm saying? You have to normalize yeah. the, the the ladies comp scene. You know what I mean? And as it gets older, it further legitimizes in the minds and eyes of other people. And then, then it's not a thing, right? Like, so right. I, like I said, there, there's gotta be a start to every journey. And I feel like that's where the W, uh, XC is. And I, you know, again, I'm a fan of the league. Um, you know, if I can watch it, I, I certainly will. Um, you know, it's, I, I would encourage any of you that are listening to, you know, follow them on Twitter, uh, find out who some of these pros are, follow their streams. Cause you're going to see some good gameplay. You know, at the yeah. end of the day, these these ladies will shit on ninety eight percent of the player base. I mean, yeah, n- no questions. So you know, it's just a matter of they need they need a little bit of spotlight, and and you know, at some point maybe things will be joined. And and I don't think yeah. the CDL specifically says we're just a men's only league. It's just that's the makeup of the league right now, and has always yeah. been right. Like so, yeah, and I, th- I and think it'll and grow. That's- yeah, and that's just how I think the league is has been built and how it grows is that it's, you know, uh, teams are put together by people that have played together. They, you know, it's a small pool of people. And if you look, you know, a lot of times they all pick and choose from the same, you know, the same people kind of move around from what I've seen. So it's not yeah. like they, they open up and say, all right, we need new talent. We're only bringing in new talent today, you know, to come try out. It's like, hey, you know, I played with this guy for a long time. He's really good. Why don't you give him a look? Well, look at what – take Optic, for instance, last year. Um, you know, they ended up making a change midseason. They brought Ghosty up from the Challengers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he ends up playing on their team. They, I believe they ended up getting second in, um, in the finals for Worlds. And, you know, then there's always roster mania, right? Well, they've had their eye on Pred for two, at least two years. He's one of the best, if not the best, SMG in the game to pair with Shotzi. So they were bringing him in. So that spot's taken. And then Ghosty got sent on his way and they brought in Optic Kenny, who was also one of the OG Optics. I mean, like, so these pro leagues, a lot of them have their roots in an established organization. You know, Optic is bigger than just their comp side. That's just the one that gets all, all of the, the spotlight phase. You know, those, you know, those are the two biggest that come to mind. Um, you know, they both have all of these organizations, if I remember correctly, have a, um, you know, a, a comp side and then they have a, uh, you know, content side, you know, like yep. FaZe, look at FaZe Swag. He's just happens to be a competitive 
content creator. If you know, if you think about it. So anyway, it's, I, I feel like it's a really interesting topic. It's definitely one we need to keep an eye on. And, you know, yeah. I would love to be able to get somebody from the WXC, whether it's my friend Diosa on or another competitor, because I, I want to learn more about the league and kind of just, you know, hear about it from their perspective. So they don't have to listen to two old dudes sit here and talk about it. <laughs> you know, they can actually hear it from a competitor and, you know, what, what they go through, what they're, you know, how they got into the comp scene, like those kind of things. Like, I think that's, that would be really good and an insightful way to, um, you know, see where we're at there. But, um, yeah, you know, I agree. Un unless you have anything more on, um, you know, that topic, uh, I'm going to go ahead and do a reset here. Uh, this is the slightly above average gaming podcast. I'm J007 with my co-pilot, my wingman, sub one KD. Um, we're just, you know, out here just discussing some of the relevant topics of the day. Um, and then there were some things that happened this week, Modern Warfare 3 and Warzone-wise. Why don't you, you know, lead off with, with what you found to be the most interesting topic of all of it? Well, the most interesting topic is the most, is, is I think, the most interesting topic we're going we're gonna to touch on later. Because it's, it's kind of a big deal, but it also is a nothing burger right now. So, you know... It, I'm going to, I'm going to shuffle that one down, but I think, um, you know, looking at what's come out, some of the, some of the changes, some of the, um, the pending updates to Warzone um, for the, uh, for the season one update next week are, uh, are pretty spectacular. You know, offhand, we have, you know, a number of perks that are going to be default now. Yeah. Overkill will be default, right? No more wasting a, you know, no more wasting a, a, a perk on that. You have um, the ability to slide while um, uh, aim down sights while sliding. You have the ability to, um, uh, what was it? There were a couple there. I think there were like six of these things that were default. Like, that's a big deal, right? I have you them know, right you, here. Yeah. Um, read those off. So the tack pads, that's where you were talking about being able to slide. Uh, Slide and ADS at the same time. That's default. Mm -hmm. uh, the commando gloves. I'm not entirely sure what the commando gloves Isn't do. Isn't that quick swap? It might be quick swap. Um, quick grip gloves. I'm assuming that's probably fast hands. Um, you know, that kind of thing. And then mm -hmm. climbing boots. So your mantling is always going to be faster. Yeah. You know, that's great. And then... You know, I think the biggest W out of all the perks, and you have to forgive me for not knowing specifically what they do. Um, I probably should research that a little bit better, um, is the overkill. I do know what that does. And what yeah. that's going to do, the fact that that's standard, is that's going to allow people to get their preferred loadout right off the rip, right? Because what everyone yep. would do is everybody would get two loadouts. They'd get Ghost first, uh, and then they would get, um, you know, they'd go build, they'd have a ghost SMG class and then they'd get that out of, out of the second loadout or the world loadout. Well, they actually kind of started doing it or giving you the ability in Warzone 2 because with the custom classes, because you could go overkill and ghost, um, you know, with those perk packages. But what this did is, is this actually makes it standard off the rip. Yep. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I think it's great. I think I think all the changes are good. They're good movement. 
And, you know, one of the things when you really read through the nitty gritty, and this is something that I've talked about extensively, um, they are limiting the amount of interruption in your gameplay, right? You don't have to stop and take your time to do something. You don't have to to wait to mantle. You don't have to get caught in an animation, right? You can, you know, you can YY your, your reload now. You can do, you know, all these little things that, that it's the little things that you just run into and it, and it artificially limits your ability to do well in the game. And it's like, I think, you know, even as, as a slightly above average player, right. That was all, you know, that was something that I ran in. I ran into consistently of like, I want to chow this guy, but you know, the time it takes me to come out of my slide or to come, you know, to bring my gun up, right. Is it, it costs me the gunfight. Um, the inability to to slide cancel or, or you know, I hit, I hit the slide and, you know, I can't stop. You know, I, I mistimed where to start it because, you know, I'm in a gunfight and all of a sudden I slide past my cover and I get domed when I don't want to, you know, be domed. I get stuck because I can't climb a stupid like three inch rock, um, you know, even though I'm a I'm a tier one operator. Right. Or whatever. Um, getting rid of those. Getting rid of all of those little annoyances i think will make the game a lot better um it's going to be it's going to be a, a big change especially for folks who haven't played modern warfare 3 that that are just on the on Warzone. uh maybe they're you know maybe they didn't want to invest in that they feel burned they feel like they're buying a dlc they're just waiting it's gonna they're gonna be behind the curve and it's gonna be an, a bad adjustment for them i think I don't really feel sorry for him, <laughs> you know, for the <laughs> amount of time that both you and I put into this game. Um, and even mm -hmm. the last one, I don't, I, I, I really don't. I mean, if they're that dug in after all of the marketing, all of the gameplay videos, this game's been out a month and they're still that dug in. Then if they do come around, I really don't feel sorry for them. They're the equivalent of a Christmas noob to me. Um, <laughs> you know, we'll feast. So yes. just to also recap, there's there's also a other list of things that Sub and I have covered before, um, you know, in previous episodes. But just as a reminder, so basically Charlie Intel tweeted on uh, December 6th, Warzone gets the new map, which is Urzikstan, which yep. surely most of you have at least gone into Zombies once to check it out. I think that's going to be a fantastic map. We're getting the new movement uh, because of those perk things that are just basically standard now. So that's great. Ghost works while moving. So there's something about that, though. I, I'm curious if eventually it's going to make its way over to Warzone because from what I understand, there's also a vest coming uh, called Stealth that you don't have to be moving anymore yeah. for Ghost to work. So... You know, I wonder if that's going to move over to Warzone or not. But for the sake of what we're talking about here, um, you know, that's fine. So the stem is going to boost your movement. And I don't know how you feel about the stem, um, you know, off the top of my head. But I'm going to tell you, it's been the root of several issues throughout the life cycle of Warzone 1 and Warzone 2. It, I don't know why they're still in the game, but whatever. <laughs> well, not only are they still in the game, they just got promoted back to Tier 1 level. Yeah. Yeah, it really has. Um, red dots are on the mini-map, so you're going to want to be suppressed now, uh, for sure. So just like you said Wait. before, I think it was a couple episodes ago, maybe even more than that, but 
now everybody's basically going to be running the same thing on the same gun. So it'll be that, um, what's that first suppressor? The, um, something strike suppressor, the first one mm -hmm. that's modern warfare three. Everybody's going to run that. They'll run probably the same skeletal foregrip, um, 60 round magazine. And then, you know, the same optic. I don't know. I don't you know. know. I don't know if that's true. There's a lot. Well, I'll, I'll put it this way. A lot of people will run the same thing because right. they don't want to put any effort in it. And this yeah, is sure. something that came up. And so, so I ran the numbers. I went back through and I, I need to put this on Twitter. I think I ran, how many muzzle devices did you run in modern warfare two on like intentionally, not like, Oh, I picked the ramp. The, the, I'm just trying one out. Like I built a class. I, I ran the class. How many muzzle devices did you run in modern warfare two? You, mm -hmm. I, my screen kind of cut out a little bit. So the audio caught out. So in modern yeah. warfare two, Maybe three. So it was always the Harbinger suppressor or the wrapped suppressor for, um, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, whether it's AR or SMG. Actually, I don't, I don't think I ran a suppressor on my SMGs. And then it was like, there's like two different muzzle brakes that yeah, I was just give me on the primary. So like, like, don't, don't worry about SMGs, like primaries, like, oh, well, AR, then battle just rifles. basically two. There was a, there mm -hmm. was the, uh, Komodo, um, muzzle brake and then the Harbinger. That was it. So I've gone back through all of my loadouts that I've done mm -hmm. um, that, I, that I've saved, and I'm up to 13. Wow. And every time when you look at it, there's a reason for it, right? Right. And the only reason I ran most of those is because I'm not on the minimap, because I don't, I don't have to worry about, do I show up on the minimap or not? Right. But there were so many breaks and so many muzzle devices that on specific guns worked really well yeah. to fix something about it. Right. Like, um, for the, oh, I forget which gun it was, uh, um, uh, for, for the cast off seven, six, two, there was a great muzzle device. Um, I'd have to look it up that really, really compress. Like there were two of them that depending on how well you handled recoil and whether you were on mouse and key or on controller, like you could go either way. And neither of them were a suppressor. And um, yeah, I, forget so, what, I forget the names of them. Once they were, one of them was to focus on horizontal recoil and the other one focused on vertical recoil. So like for me, because I always strafe when I shot, right? I, I Horizontal recoil doesn't bother me because I'm strafing anyway. So I'm, I, I'm automatically correcting for the horizontal deviation. Yeah, you're locking right? on anyway with the rotational aim assist. Yeah. I want the vertical to be as compressed as possible so I don't have to make small adjustments to that. I just have to keep my strafe, you know, you know, I, I have to put my joystick in one position and it, and it locks it in. And so depending on what, which way you played, both of them were great. And neither of them are suppressors, right? I, you know, in wars of the year before, you know, I go back and I look at, you know, Cold War, there were two suppressors that were basically the same, right? Mm -hmm. The GRU suppressor or the agency suppressor. And it depended on which, you know, who made the gun, like which side of the, the, the aisle your gun was on. Right? Mm -hmm. Same thing, you know, Warzone 1, you just ran the monolithic suppressor. That's the suppressor you ran, right? That, that was your muzzle device. Didn't matter anything. Nothing else mattered because you need to be off the minimap and that provided the best stats. Right now, we've got like a ton of muzzle devices. A lot of them are suppressors. So I'll give them that. But I don't think it's going to, I don't, I don't think the best thing is going to be to follow one loadout for everything. I think they're, I think with tuning gone, there's still a lot of room for variety. 
And I think it's going to depend on who sinks the most effort into figuring it out that they're going to have that edge. Yeah, I mean, just the, the amount of attachments just overall is kind of overwhelming because there's still several for a lot of these guns that I haven't unlocked through the Armory Unlock system. So, mm-hmm. that you know, that'll to get back on, um, you know, the list, so, you know, red dots on the minimap is going to be a thing. The ammo separate in the backpack, so different slots. So if you pick up shotgun ammo, it's not going to take a slot from you for being able to keep something else. Yeah. Um, so you can carry it if you want to or whatever. Uh, but the slot's going to be there regardless. So if you carry it, maybe someone's using it or whatever. And, Who knows? And there's some great clarity that came in on that. Because so at first I was confused. I figured you, um, when they first talked about this, the ammo slots, it sounded like, all right, you're going to get a fixed amount of AR. Maybe it's more than you're used to carrying. Mm-hmm. But what they were saying was you can – you you. Like Warzone 1, where you ran over any type of ammo, it, it mm-hmm. put it in your backpack for you, right? So you would have AR, you would have SMG, you would have shotgun ammo for the shotgun you never used because they were trash. Mm-hmm. You would have your sniper ammo, right? And then in this, if you are running, say, double AR, you can still put AR into your backpack for additional ammo. Yeah. And that was something that, like, that I wasn't clear on at the beginning. So when I heard that last week or this week, I was like, Ooh, now I like that even better. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, that's, I mean, I think that's a good idea. That's a a good change, um, that they did. Uh, and it'll also help with teamwork. Like I said before, as far as if you're sniping and I'm not, I can carry extra sniper ammo for you or anyone else on Mm -hmm. the team that needs it, that kind of thing. Um, The gas mask is going to be, um, you know, ta- you can toggle it and put it on manually and take it off. And I think that's a <laughs> we've only been asking for that since Warzone came out because <laughs> I don't know anyone who hasn't gotten fucked over by that gas mask animation at one point in time or another. It's happened to me several times. Oh, I'm sure it's happened to you too. All the time. But here's yeah. here's a question. So so this is going to work. So th- the way I've had this described to me, the way it will work is. You basically are going to wear it on your face, or you or you stow it in your backpack mm-hmm. in a slot, right? It's not a it, it it's an either or, and I and so I think I don't think there's a quick quick access option. Well, I so that you know you just made a valid point or made me think of something regarding that. How long is that animation going to take? Right, and and so. If you got to pull up your backpack and you got to click over to put it in, to put it on every time you want to like make a gas play, mm-hmm. like look, I a hundred percent agree that it should, like, it's sh- the animation should never interrupt your actions. You should never be interrupted and in taking it on or off. Yeah, I also don't necessarily agree that you shouldn't be. Like that, it, that there should be no animation because I mean, look, messing with the gas should always carry some risk, right? Exactly. And and especially you know it, if and this is what I hope is the case is that stims work in the gas like they did before, where you can actually make gas plays and you can actually survive in the gas for more than half a second. Just got to do um, it in a way that doesn't that that will. <laughs> Fail safe against the stem gl- stem gla- gas glitch, though you know. Well, I mean, stem glitching is it is it is what it is, right? Like even in Warzone One, you could you could carry 
a muni box, right? And you could go into the gas, burn your your stems, burn your gas mask, drop your muni box, and pick up two two new stems. I mean, that's nothing new. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think the the issue is less about worrying about that. It's just the ability to do it. Like in Warzone Two, you can't touch the gas. Like it just kills you quickly. There's 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 no way out of it. You get caught in it. You're you're done for. There's no stimming doesn't help you right because you got to you only you know the way the stim works now is you know as soon as it, it stops it gets canceled if you take another tick of damage while the stim is boosting you so like the gas is like a suicide pack now yeah and it just really messed with the ability to it messed with the ability to not sit in the center of the map and camp is what it did and so yeah. I, I want that back i want the ability to like hey i can run the edge and i can like I can surprise somebody coming flying out of the gas where they don't expect me. I've won games like that, just come flying out of the gas because I looped. I was able to loop way around where they're posted up because they camped the middle of the map the whole game, right? And uh, and and get the win from that. I think that's a good mechanic, and I think that. But I think it should carry risk, right? And part of that risk should be, you know, the time it takes to put the gas mask on, and so I'm okay. With the with the system that they have, as long as I can equip it quickly, right? Like I don't want to have to stop running and f- screw around in the menu trying to attach it. And when they did Warzone One, when they added this in Warzone One, that was the problem. Is that it, t- it was so much, so it was so involved. Like there were so many buttons that if I'm in the middle of a gunfight or I'm running for my life or whatever the case may be, like it takes too long and it's not worth it, right? So I die anyways trying to put the damn thing on. As much as I died from the inner the 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 uh, the automated mechanic screwing me over, right? I, I don't want that. Right. Well, the other thing about the gas mask is it's supposed to counter tear gas too. I mean, I don't really run into tear gas a whole lot. Um, in You're going to run into it more because it's going to deal damage. Okay. The, the well, new ga- the new gas bombs in Warzone are going to be. The same gas as the the storm. Okay, damn. So, so that I did now not you, know. Yeah, so now you can you know chuck those things into a room where someone's camped out, and you're going to deal damage. All right, man. They're really trying to get away from people camping, aren't they? Biggest complaint: fifty-year-old yeah. dads on their TVs camping in a corner with an LMG. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Um, so the other thing was, is, uh, let's see, where's, so something we should have covered last time that we didn't is, you know, data miners found a reference to, um, working with or collaborating with the walking dead, the ones who live, that's the Rick and Michonne, um, you know, show that they're, those two are going to have. So, I mean, I think that's pretty dope and I think that's a great way to help promote zombies. So that's cool. Zombie Santa's coming. Well, yeah, we're going to get to that here in a second. Um, also, uh, you know, supposedly yesterday the Groot skin was supposed to be, um, you know, disabled or Gaia, but I still ran into a couple of those, um, you know, playing. If you so had it equipped, it stayed on your body, mm-hmm. but it's no longer in the menus. Interesting. So people that were running it, it didn't, it didn't force them out. I'm sure they will patch that in another update yeah i hope so 
Well, in the meantime, until they fix that, those people, if I catch you running that that skin in Modern Warfare 3 multiplayer, you're catching bags, boy. Just so you know. <laughs> um, yep. The other thing was, um, you know, and I think, I don't know, I think we, uh, it, we should probably just go ahead and dive right into it, man. Um, you know, and you know what's funny is I don't know if this topic is more or less controversial than the very first one that we that we covered. Um, well, yeah, yeah it, and this hey, this will mark the very first time it's actually been openly discussed at an official level. So. Yeah, exactly. And you know what sub one is referring to is um, you know. Sledgehammer Games has actually, for the first time, publicly addressed the fact that there is skill-based matchmaking in the game. Now, their tweet, I don't really know that I got a lot out of it, but I can, I'll go ahead and, and read it, um, just because it's, I mean, it's, it is relevant, right? Like, let's see, where are we at? Let me find it here. I'm pulling it up. Yeah, so this is this is their official statement, uh, if, you, if you don't mind me reading this. Yeah, read it through. So it says, We know there's a lot of interest in the matchmaking experience, especially around how skill contributes to how lobbies and matches are put together. Nothing is more important to us than the experience players have with the game, and matchmaking is a big part of that. We've been working on our matchmaking system for well over 10 years, and we continue to spend a ton of time and energy on improving the matchmaking process. This involves people working at our Call of Duty studios, our back-end services, teams at Demonware, and other groups like our Player Insights team. It's a large effort that we've worked on for many years, and our approach combines latency, search time, and skill, along with many other factors, uh, to try to find the best match experience for you. Talking about this topic in detail can be hard, and we haven't spent the time to pull together all of our work to share with you our insights and improvements over the many years. We're looking forward to doing that in the coming weeks after Season 1 launches, and we'll also make it a part of our ongoing discussions with the community. Wow. I mean, look, here's the thing. If, if, if you haven't really followed COD for a long time, Skill-based matchmaking has been a known thing, right? A known thing for a long time. There's a lot of patents out there, a lot of lot of a lot of ideas thrown around, all right, about what it is, what it's doing, how it works, and why it's there. But it is something that Activision and its subsidiaries have never publicly or otherwise, as far as we know, admitted it even exists. They've not even mentioned it ever. And and so to have to have them put that statement out there officially, officially stating that it is there, that it does take skill into account, that it takes time to find your match into it into account, that it takes all of these other factors in placing you in a match is huge. Problem is, at the same time, it doesn't tell us anything, right? They haven't told us anything. All they've told us is that we're going to tell you at some point in the future when we get around to telling you about it, right? But we will, but you know, but we acknowledge it exists. So 
it's like it's exciting to hear and it's exciting to see all this information but at the same time it's like what have they actually told us that they're going to tell us later yeah no i mean yes it is interesting um and relevant that they came out and actually acknowledged it but you're you're absolutely correct and this is what i was thinking before they made their statement about it they're going to make a statement but it's not really going to tell us a whole lot you know, yeah. because also, too, I guarantee you there's some proprietary things in their algorithm that they don't want, you know, the competition to know about or, you know, just or players let people... to know about it, to take advantage yeah. of it. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, SBMM has been a really hot topic, um, I'd say probably for a month straight. And, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw my tweet. Actually, I, I think you did see it. But I'll say this. SBMM is not protecting casuals like people think it is. And I'll tell you why. Because basically, if you look at like the top tier players, right? They are never ever put into a skill level, into a lobby that is above their skill level, are they? Well, they are the top lobby. Exactly. Who SBMM affects is, is people that are below average, people that are average, people that are slightly above average like ourselves, and then people mm -hmm. that are way above average. Those four groups are the ones that are actually impacted more by skill-based matchmaking because we are able to be thrown into lobbies that are above our skill level. And I'll also say, as you know, we talked about this, we've talked about it several times, you know, both on here and offline, you know, when we chat. You know, I... Based on what I know about reverse boosting being a problem, that pretty much confirms to me that it is based on a sample size of your games, right? So, like, you hop on, you know, we've talked about this. You hopped on, and you're just outright just slamming kids on Rust for, you know, three, four games. What then happens to you? Uh, then I get slammed for, like, the next hour and change. Yeah. And so it's, it's And it's night and day. Yep. It's sample size based. And also, too, I think there's a squad element to it, too, because I can be playing by myself and doing just fine. The second I squad up with anybody, regardless of what their skill level is, because I have friends of all different skill levels, the lobbies immediately get harder for whatever reason. I don't know why, but they just do. Um, you know, something else that they acknowledge, too, and I, I think this kind of dovetails into it, is far as the skill-based matchmaking goes, but, you know, they've talked about doing disbanding lobbies, right? And, you know, we had this conversation as well. How do you think that would affect SBMM if you can dis disband a lot, or if your lobbies don't disband? Well, I mean, in theory, so here's the thing, right? In theory, the lobby should be balanced, right? So if, they, if, if, if the game puts you into a lobby, that should be a balanced lobby. And then what would happen from an SBMM standpoint is it would just rebalance the teams after every game. So if everybody stays put, right, you're already in a competitive lobby in theory, in theory, you're already in a competitive lobby. And then, you know, every game, well, okay, you teed off this game and you, and you, you know, and, and so we're going to put these other two kids who just got stomped on your team because you're the best player in the, in the game. So you, you get to carry them. And then, if you don't do so well, then maybe it kicks one of them off and puts a mid-level player in. And then, you know, and that's how SBMM has worked for a long time 
in COD specifically. I remember a dev talking about this um, when the game came out because they were talking about doing this in, in Modern Warfare 3 where they would always balance the lobbies to try and make the games as even as possible. And so I don't think that's going to change. You know, what's going to change is, you know, what happens when someone drops out and someone else comes in? How do, like, how do they pick that person to come in and replace it? Is that random? Does that upset that? Like, there's a lot going on. So when, when, they're, when they're tackling this, I don't think it's going to affect SBMM as a whole, right, overall. But I do, you know, I am, I'm curious what they're going to do if they, if they, if they keep the disbanding lobbies and they don't just run a little test and say, eh, it's not working. Well, I still think though, that that's going to kind of screw up the algorithm or at least what the desired results of the algorithm are supposed to be. Right. Like, I, I feel like that's going to impact it somehow, some way. And I think that even makes it more complicated to address the subject for them. Um, because there's all these other factors that you mentioned now that you have, mm -hmm. that they're going to have to consider. So I don't think that SBMM will really be addressed or quote fixed in this title. Probably not the next. I think you're looking two titles out minimum. I don't know what, I, I don't know if they believe that the algorithm needs to be fixed. Well, that's true too. We're just the only like, ones that do. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, and Look, I go back and forth. I go back and forth with this, both mentally, you know, my mental gymnastics and, and when I talk to people online because I see both ends of it. And I've, I've lived both ends of it, right? Like, this, we are not, you know, so everybody wants to throw back to the old days. And there's, there's some drastic differences between Modern Warfare 3 in 2009 and this game right now. One of them is we have central hosted servers, right? You are logging, you know, I, I'm logging into a server in San Francisco or Los Angeles, right? I'm not logging into Fred's, you know, Fred's console in Concord, okay? That's how it used to be. It used to be everyone would get thrown into a match and somebody in that match is the host. They're the, you know, they're the ones carrying the, the, the weight, right? That's not the case anymore, all right? So now everybody's going through the same servers and that affects how you can group together, group people together geographically versus, you know, versus on a skill-based system. At the same time, you have, um, <clears throat> you have a completely different way that people play this game. And I, I don't know, it's not compatible. Like, I, I just think that the, that looking back at how we used to do things and say, oh, this is, you know, SBM, this was great at that time. I don't think it's compatible with how we play it now. And here's the thing. The other, the other key factor is old CODs were physical sale driven. You need to put as many copies in people's hands as possible. And that's how you rate how well you've done. Right? Mm -hmm. Who cares? How long they play? Like Starfield is going through. People are looking at Starfield They've already right sold now. it. The numbers have dropped. Yeah. Who freaking cares? The game is a single play. Like it's it's a one and done game, right? People right. play the game. They bought the game, and now they've moved on because that's what happens with a single player game. Just like every you know, almost every game for eternity, right? For as long as games have existed, 
It's you play it until you're done enjoying it, and then you put it down and you move on. With games now, this is a live service game. What what drives this game is that people keep playing it, right? There's enough people that play the game month after month that it warrants creating crossovers. It warrants creating events and having new content, right? It warrants them developing new guns and having a new season, okay? If people don't play the game, then they're not going to do all that stuff. They're going to give us like one content update at Christmas and say, all right, thanks for playing. We appreciate you. Enjoy. We'll see you next year. And that's how it used to be, right? They do some map packs, and I've tried to look up how much they do. And they, you know, it's about 10% would buy the map packs of, of people who bought the game. Yeah, I didn't always overall. buy them. I never bought them, right? I, so I, was, usually done by, I was done by the game, by, with the game by the time the map packs came out. But that's not the way the games work anymore, right? It's an ongoing thing. It's an ongoing cycle. They always want people to come back. And it and it and I think it's great because it always it gives a reason to keep playing the game. Yeah. Okay. But if you make the game miserable by getting rid of SBMM, totally. Like you just say no more. The problem is you have to deal with these you have to deal with the fact that a large chunk of the player base is gonna go is not gonna grow at the same rate that the top, you know, the top half will grow, right? Like I, I, I posted this in a comment to somebody talking about it, where if you take two players and you say, look, you're going to have an hour per day to play. And you take one player and they just play for an hour a day. And you take another, the other player and you say, well, you're going to take 15 minutes. You're going to practice something every day. And then you're going to play for 45 minutes. Those two players will get better over time. But the player that practices will get better faster. Okay. Now, if you take that same player and you say, well, hey, practice half an hour a game and play half an hour, they're going to get better faster than the other two. Okay. They will improve in the same amount of time at a higher rate. All right. And this is the problem when you have casuals versus like less than casual players, even if they're not good players, is that the, is that the players that don't put the effort in, they don't improve at all. And in, in a measurable way, like, yeah, they get a little better from one month to the next. But the players that that put effort in, right, that work hard, they improve dramatically in the same amount of time. And so what happens is you put them in the same lobby and on day one, OK, both players might, you know, they'll trade and they'll have fun and, the, you know, it'll be fun. But as the as the players that put more effort in continue to excel, even if they never become great players. Okay, they just do better substantially than the players that just show up to play. Well, the players that just show up to play get tired of getting shit on every single game. They get tired of going negative every single game and they quit the game. Right. And when you get rid of SBMM, you get rid of those players in a in a much faster amount of time. than you do in our current model and that and they are the majority of the game. They are the majority. And the problem is you get rid of the majority of the players. We lose all the fun stuff we like to have. We don't have the content. We don't have the crossovers. We don't have the special events. Why do you think we didn't have any special events in Warzone last year? That's we true. Didn't have, we didn't have. Like, because the people that, that benefit from it, allegedly, weren't there. 
That's interesting. But, you know, I, I, I will say this. You know, we, again, this is something you and I have talked about several times. I'm not convinced that it would be a huge, huge number that would dip out. I think there's all, there would be a certain amount of attrition. But, you know, that's just guaranteed, right? Because yeah. it, it's going to be... Semi, it would be semi-random, but let me let me go back to your server thing. I want to ask you something. So essentially, what we have now is dedicated servers, right? Yes. So let me go ahead and say this to the Call of Duty community: Careful what you ask for, because now because we begged for dedicated servers for several years. They gave us dedicated servers, but now we have SBMM. If you think about when we weren't, when we were begging for for dedicated servers, the SBMM was almost non-existent, if even there at all. Now we have these servers, and now we have SBMM. So, careful what you ask for. Yeah. So, I, I think it's one of those. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a it's a damned if you damned if you don't right. And, and look, I, I want to be clear. I don't think that the way that we are use, seeing SPMM implemented in the game right now is the best way. I don't think I don't think that is right, especially for players that do well. Like like I have, I'm in this boat, right? I will have some games where I will tear it up, and then I get just dunked on, game yeah. after game after game, right? Because it's like, all right, you had some fun, like you did well. You're obviously a, a good player. Let's see how good you are. And, and 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 what I've noticed, and this is like camel because I'm trying to do things very repetitively. So I actually end up having tons of games in a row where I'm being very consistent in what I do, and I can see how the how lobbies ebb and flow. The the way that the game is trying to balance it is it is trying to find the most even caliber of players to fill it with which on its surface is great and i i think it's the best way to go but i think it's also the most difficult to obtain because what happens is you know i'll have a couple of games where i'll just tear it up usually you start up you boot up for the day you have a couple of games you do really well and then i get dunked on for a couple of games and then what I end up with for a chunk is I, I end up where I'm just kind of even, right? Like I will, I, I had, a, I had one last night. I sweated my balls off and I feel like I just died every time I turned the corner. Like I just felt like I just died that match all the time. And I went 38 and 27, even though I was, you know, even though I felt like I was getting dunked on really hard, the reality was I was doing quite well. And it would be these spurts of like I would I would do really you know I would have I would go kill and die kill and die 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 kill 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 die right and then I have a, I'd have a run where I'd get like nine or ten and that's and that would end up ultimately being the difference is like being able to string those runs together right but it was a sweaty lobby and it felt and I I feel like it felt a very evenly matched like there wasn't anybody that I could dominate and nobody could dominate me. It was a lot of one and ones. And I think ultimately that's what the game wants. The game wants it where it's like, you know, you're, you're going to go even unless you really push yourself to excel. 
right? And I think that's I think that's generally a good place to be because you get some of these lobbies where it's like every now and again I'll get a cupcake lobby where it's like I'm just dropping like like I had one I dropped 19 straight on these kids like they couldn't get they couldn't move without me popping their heads off, and it's like after a while it's like I I fell off on that one, you know I only hit like 60 something because I just got honest I got lazy because I didn't have to work very hard. And then I started screwing up and then I started trying to get back to it. And it, and it became an, it, it was a me issue on why I didn't break a hundred in that game. And I think, I think that's not the scenario that's beneficial long-term. Like it's fun to do once in a while. Don't get me wrong. I do appreciate that. I'm not saying I don't, but I understand if that's not, if that's not the kind of scenario that they want to have be a very common thing. And I think that's something that a lot of people, whether they openly admit it or not, they want those big games more often than not. Sure. It's that dopamine hit, man. And, you know, I'll say this, too. So historically on Call of Duties, I've run typically between a 1.15 KD to a 1.4 KD. I did not start struggling on Call of Duty until Modern Warfare 2019. You know, as I tweeted the other day, I finished that one with less than one. I was a point nine nine in the multiplayer, you know, a one point oh three in Modern Warfare 2. And right now I'm below a one, but I've also been leveling guns. It Somebody tweeted, it's almost like they want to keep you right around that one point oh range. You know what I mean? Or, you know, keep a lot of people around the, that one point yeah. oh range. And, you know, I just I don't know. I feel like there's a better way to do it, but. You know, I don't know the coding or how to do an algorithm. So I guess we're just more or less at the mercy of, you know, what they decide to do, um, you know, yeah. and and I, I I don't know that there's a way to do it where everyone benefits and it's balanced, like you said. Well, long term. I mean, the problem is if everybody's balanced against the people that they're, you know, within a skill bracket, right, of, of their ability the the biggest problem is the top bracket gets shit on because they have to play like it's the CDL every time they play. Otherwise, they're going to get dunked. But well, because you know nobody else. No, look, and and this is the thing with being a competitor. We talked about this earlier. Is like competitors don't know how to turn it off. Like yeah. you don't see competitors turning it off. And I it, and and honestly, I see it in every everywhere that I've been. Like you know, rectally hockey like everybody goes out there and and plays to the best of their ability and they and they put all their effort in every game they're supposed to some of them are drunk but um there's not like it but the, the, but you know they're capped in their ability because you know most of us were old and and it doesn't mean that like we should be mixing up major skill brackets and that makes for somehow a better game and COD is, you know, video games are kind of the same way where it's like, you know, you have guys that are like, you know, pro-level guys, you know, that even if they're not pros, they're pro-level. They're, they're really good. You throw them into a cupcake lobby. They don't put their feet up, crack a beer, and like, oh, cool, I can relax. I don't have to snake and slide cancel it. <laughs> they're like, oh, I, I you know, I got a, I got an easy lobby here. Let me, <laughs> let me get my gamer chair ratcheted up to the next level and, and lean yeah. into this. Right. And like they're pushing to see how, you know, if they can break 200. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the problem is that 
you can never, you know, you get into a lobby where you're getting just trashed like that. Like people are, people don't stand, they don't stick around for that. Well, and you're right. You're you know, right. Pe- people don't stand for it. Sorry. I didn't mean it. No, you're fine. It's just, I mean, and that's the problem, right? Like, and I, and I, and I've had this conversation before with people of like, Hey, you know, if you have trouble playing with your buddies, make a second account. It's free. Make a second account. You know, put a little bit of time leveling things up so at least you have your guns leveled. And then, you know, just play at their level. And oh my God, I've got hate from that. People have no interest in toning it down. And and that's and that's why I think it is something we'll never get rid of. Like we'll never get rid of this SBMM again. Because people won't tone it down. Like they, you know, they're not out to, to prove they're the best all the time. They're out to like just run their numbers up. They're looking which, for you know, a PR, man. Yeah, which is fine. And look, like I said, I, you know, I've hit numbers. Shoot, my highest, my highest MP score, like I was over 100. I, was, I, I think I'm like around 110, 108, something like that. I can't remember. I mean, I didn't turn it off in that lobby. As soon as I realized that I was stomping that lobby, I cranked it up. I worked harder. All right? So I get it. Competitive people are always competitive. There is no turning it off. But that means the game is going to step in and, and, and force you to play with people who also don't turn it off. And the higher skill you get, the harder that gets. It's true, and you know, for the record, I don't mind playing people that are at my current skill level, right? I, I don't. That's never been my issue with with SBMM in that way, right? My issue has been being put into lobbies after a few good games with people that are significantly better than me, just because the yep. game thinks. I mean, is is basically the essentially? If you think about it, the game is taking. Me from a lobby where other people are cannon fodder, you know, and just, <laughs> you know, lambs to the slaughter, and then yep. making me that lamb and that cannon fodder for somebody else that's better, you know, and then it'll swing me back the other way. So, yeah, I mean, it's, listen, we could talk about SBMM all day, right? Like, yeah. it's, I, I don't think it's going away. I'm glad they addressed it, um, you know, or semi did. I, I think we're probably not going to end up getting a whole lot more than what we got. Uh, from Sledgehammer already, but the fact that they addressed it, I'll give credit to Sledgehammer because they're reading the room, unlike certain other studios. Yep. You know, you know so and I wonder how much of this is Microsoft's influence. I don't know. You know, Activision has a new boss. Yeah. It's not you know they're not. And look, and this is something I talked about when when the when the acquisition closed is that it's going to be interesting to see when Call of Duty is not the main driver of the stock price of the company that runs it. Right. All right. Call of Duty has been the face of Activision for a long time. And how Activision does is how Call of Duty or how Call of Duty does is how Activision does. And now it's Microsoft. And you know what? Nobody cares how Call of Duty does when they're shopping for a corporate, you know, uh, Windows license. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, there are so many different factors in how Microsoft stock prices and how their shareholders react to things that call of duty is just another cog in the wheel, which means in my opinion, we're going to see a lot more freedom given to people, you know, at the ground level to kind of do stuff like this because you don't have Activision corporate 
having to guard their shareholders, you know, values. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'll be something interesting to keep an eye on, um, you know, and, you know, you ended last episode in a certain way, and I'm going to return the favor, good sir. <laughs> so you ended last episode and you said Krampus is back. So there was a tweet actually from uh, Sledgehammer Games that said Krampus is back. Just kidding. Instead, get into the festive mood with Cadmus this holiday Event brings new challenges and rewards, some visible, some hidden, to the Urzikstan map and Call of Duty Warzone in the form of Deck the Halls, Zombie Santa, and Sleigh Ride. I love it. Bring on the holiday cheer. Yeah, I think it would be cool. I think it would be dope <laughs> if they made the whole map snowy. Yeah. You know, but I don't, I don't know if they will. I mean, it would be great someday to get dynamic weather, too, you know, um, which I think they experimented a little bit. You know what? Uh, I like dynamic weather, dude. Uh, Maybe. I think it depends. Yeah. They had dynamic weather in, uh, in, in, uh, uh, what's that map? Vondel. And yeah, I think it's the type, Uh, right? The fog. Yeah. You know, it goes from being able to like, you know, Vondal was a nice, is a, is a is a really beautiful map, and then it gets just fogged in, and you can't see a damn thing. Yeah, and it's like, and it's always after I grab my sniper class. Yeah. So it's like I can't see anything. Thanks. Get that thermal, bro. And then, um, and so it's kind of like, you know, I don't know. Fortnite does dynamic day and night and stuff, and it's kind of like, it's okay. It throws you after a while, you know, it throws you the first couple of times. You get used to it. Um, but, you know, I, I I was excited about it last year. Then I got to play in it. I'm not sure. I'm not 100% on it. I wouldn't mind, though, instead of instead of it changing in-game, I would, I would like to see different, different, like, I would like to see different environments for the whole game. And this was something that somebody posted about shipment is it would be cool to have shipment with different skyboxes. And they posted four different versions of shipment over the years, like the holiday one and the nighttime one we have. And then the daytime one from 2019 was it? Yeah, I saw that. And then, and it's like, that would be cool, right? Like I'm going to load into shipment 24 seven. And it's like, which one am I going to get? Am I going to get the, you know, the, the bright one or the dim one. And like, like, the variety like that. I mean, if you could, if you did that, it's like, all right, we're going to play Vondel at night this round. And then the next time it's bright as day, like, or, you know, Hey, it's, it's, it's raining. You know, the fog is in this round, right? All right. I know. All right. I'm going to be closer range. I'm not going to worry about reaching out. Like, give me something like that where it's like, there's a consistency to it where it's like, I know how I'm going to play the whole match. I don't have to get hosed because yeah, like a rotation. You know, don't 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 let me pull my my long range sniper so I can hold the spot that I'm in, and then fog it in where I can't see anything. Right, right. Well, um, unless you have anything else to add, um, did you have anything else that you wanted to bring up before we close? Or I think we close. I think it's time to close it out. 
Yeah. Well, it's been awesome getting to chat with you as always. Y'all have been listening to episode 15 of the Slightly Above Average Gaming Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Sub1KD. Uh, I am J007TV, and we really appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. This has been Sub1KD, along with J007TV and the Slightly Above Average Gaming Podcast. We're logging off now, so we'll see you next time.